am, I am so thankful to the Lord that I get to share with you this morning because how many of you know we're just in a cool season? Oh, come on. You're like, you're like I don't know, have you watched around? No, we're in a pretty amazing spot. The cool thing is God put us here right now for a reason. Oh, come on. Right? And it's actually a pretty cool season here in the life of the crossing. We have so many new faces here. I, I mean, it has been crazy to watch people that are connecting with the church, people that are moving into the area, connecting with the church. Um, and, and it's just a, it's a, it's a neat spot to be in. And then there's all this kind of what in the world is this Waldron thing? Uh, what what about that? Um, so I, I we just as a as a church leadership staff felt like okay we're gonna take a pause from the series, and, and today's kind of a one off type of thing. But I think it's strategic in all that's happening. Uh, and kind of where we are as as a church, and as we lead to uh, even the meeting this evening, uh, I just feel like God was saying, "Okay, share with them the journey that you've been on for a while." Uh, all right, now let me just let everybody take a breath and go, because <sighs> I have had so many people ask, "Like, are you guys leaving? Are you got no? Just breathe. It's okay. All right." We're, we, we, we don't feel like God has called us anywhere else, all right? But God is expanding some things, and it's kind of a cool, it's kind of a cool place to be in. And, and this journey that we're in, really what I'm going to talk about today, um, and, and just so you kind of know where we are uh, and how we function and some stuff like that, about 10 years ago, uh, the, the, actually, no, about eight years ago, the church was about 10 years old. And for years and years and years, um, literally for 18 years, I have set up chairs almost every single Saturday. I'm, I'm part of every team because it's just, I think it's good for me to set up chairs. Well, in that season... Um, for, for a lot of years, uh, we would set up chairs, and normally about the time I would, we would get about halfway done, some friends, they became dear friends. Jerry and Sharon Boudreaux, uh, many of you would remember them. They've both gone to be with Jesus since then. But they would come, and I'm talking like for an for, for a eight or ten year span, every single Saturday night, they would come. And when we got all the chairs set up, carpets down and all of that, they would, they would with me, we would walk and pray over every single chair in the place. And then we would get together after we've done that for 20, 30 minutes, something like that. Then we would get together and we would pray together. Um, and, and, and it was interesting uh, because about, I mean, they've been doing that for years and years and years with me. But about eight years ago, I started noticing that in their prayers, <laughs> they, were, they were concerned about Susan and I. 
you know, they would just pray, Lord, just give them strength with all they got going and all this kind of stuff. And, and then after, after a while, they were just blatantly, like, outright ask me, how are y'all doing? You know, how, you, how are you and Susan doing? You're doing, and then it was after a while, then they would just flat out go, you're doing too much. You're carrying too much weight, you know? And I'll be honest, I, I, I'm sure it was out of pride or whatever. When they would say things like that, I loved them dearly, but it made me mad. I'm like, what do you know, you know? Because for me, I felt like, are you kidding me? We're in a sweet spot here. We've got some great people that are helping and serving. And I mean, from the beginning, 18 years ago, we've always had people that would help and serve and come alongside and all of that kind of stuff. And so I, I was like, I, I don't understand what you're seeing. And it was a couple of years after that. That, that we were in, because I was just totally blind to what they saw. I didn't feel it. I didn't see it. I'm like, I trust you and I welcome your prayers, so pray for me, you know, kind of thing. Um, but I, it was a couple of years after that, and they had just consistently prayed for us and sent us texts and all those kinds of things, encouraging us. And then we were, it, it was actually Don and Mary Kelly, Jared and Jennifer, and Susan and I um, kind of started this conversation um, about what does biblical shared leadership look like? What, what is the Bible's model for church leadership? What does that really look like? And, and so we started conversations. We, uh, um, we read some stuff, really dug into the scripture, um, and, and was like, uh, okay. Um, and the more, the more we dug in, the more I personally realized what Jerry and Sharon saw. What these people that had been around church a long, long time saw that I didn't see. Um, and the thing that I grew to understand in this process of digging out what biblical shared leadership looks like, um, I, I found out that, that the culture that I had been in the culture I was raised in, in church, the culture that I was now leading in uh, here at the crossing, um, wasn't really that great. It, it was working, it was good, but it was a lot harder than it needed to be. It was just a lot harder than it needed to be. Um, and, and the more I dug into this, and we dug into this, I realized that it was kind of unhealthy and, and quite frankly, not very biblically sound. 
and that was kind of a rude awakening. You know, it, it really, it really was. That it was a culture of consolidated power, consolidated leadership. Um, it was the typical model, the model I grew up in, where there was a pastor, and the pastor was the leader, and the pastor was the one that heard from God and told the people what God said. All right? And that was the culture I grew up in, and that was all I had ever known. Um, but, but as I really dug into it and started looking at it, I realized that that culture of where there is a pastor, he is the voice, and then he has some lay people, you may even know that phrase, he has some lay people that kind of help out, you, you know, along the way. Um, that I, I realized that that is, is really not a very healthy culture. It's really not. And it's not anywhere in the scripture. Now, there's pieces of it, but that model doesn't really exist. And, and so, um, the truth is, though, I have to say this. Most of us grew up in that model of doing church. And I want to say this also. I'm not dishonoring any of those cultures because, let's face it, I came to Jesus because of that culture. God used that culture, you, you know. Um, but I'm going to tell you, it's kind of like as you grow and things evolve and you learn and all of those kind of things, there are some things that make life easier in a 2024 car than in a Model A Ford. Come on, y'all. Both can eventually get you from point A to point B. You know, one's just a little easier. Are y'all hearing me? Right? You don't have to work on it quite as much. You, you know, it, it's, just, it's just true. You know? And, and as I dug into it, I just want to say that that model of doing church, of a pastor, a leader, and everybody else just follows that one leader, um, I want to challenge you because I think you're going to be hard-pressed to find that model in the Scripture. Matter of fact, there's a lot more about a different kind of model. Um, and, and you're like, well, I don't know, Vic, this sounds like heresy. All right, just hang on. Hang on. Matter of fact, the only place I think you're going to find that model in the New Testament is how the scribes and Pharisees did religion. It was a hierarchy, right? There were leaders, and then you had to be good enough to be other leaders, and then it was like the whole pyramid trickle-down kind of thing. But you don't find that in any of the church, the early church, Acts, letters from Paul, all of those. You don't find that model in any of those writings. And, and here's, how, here's why I believe that's true. Varna and other researchers are finally seeing that 
and, and church leadership books. I mean, I, I grew up in the culture that of the, the Maxwell. Nothing wrong with his stuff. He's got some great stuff. But Maxwell's leadership and it, the law of the lid that, you know, no, that, that the organization can never go higher than the leader. And the leader's the one that puts a lid on it. And I carried pressure from that for years. Like, like. If I don't become a better leader and improve those things that I don't do very well, then the whole church is going to suffer. There's not gonna, it's not going to work. And, and, and so I kind of grew up in that model of, of the pastor is the guy. But what statistics are telling us is the average, do you realize... That right now in America, that in America, that, that there are literally about 6,000 pastors a year getting out of the ministry, walking away because of the pressure. Matter of fact, statistically, <laughs> that depression, suicide, all of those kinds of things for a pastor nationwide is on the same and literally tied with that of a doctor. It's kind of scary. It really is. And, and that's the culture, that's the only culture that I knew. And because of that, there's high burnout there's high pressure, there's isolation for spiritual leaders. Who can I talk to? Nobody else will understand. All those kinds of things. There's stress in the family. Anybody ever heard the preacher's kids are the worst? Right? I, mean, I thank God that's not true with my girls. All right? It also leads to that, that system, that pyramid system of Leadership also leads to what I call the hero syndrome, where the leader carries the weight of failures, but he also carries the celebrations of success, and he can become very, he or she can become very, very aware of how great they are. I mean, it's just true. It lends itself to that. It really does. Um, because you, you walk away sometimes going, man, God, that was good, you know? And then other times you, I'll, I'll just be honest, for years, I've been doing this for 35 years, 36 years. And, and so often, Sunday evenings are the worst for me. That used to be the case, not anymore. Because I would be like either get really, really, really prideful about what I saw God do. Or <laughs> I would get really depressed because I stunk it up bad. You know? I don't know if it even made any sense. I, I mean, it's just true. It just wasn't a very healthy culture for me. And as we dug into this, so I'm going to give you, that's all the bad news. Are y'all glad? That's all the bad news. I'm going to give you some good news now, all right? Because here's what we've discovered 
All right? Here's what we've discovered, and it is so good. I want you to grab your notes, write this down, that there is a biblical foundation for shared leadership. A biblical foundation for shared leadership. You see this model literally from the beginning. You see this model from Genesis to Revelation. All right, I'm going to share just a little bit of scripture. We are going to be real heavy scripture today. All right, so y'all ready to read a lot of the word? The rest of you going to sleep through it? Come on. All right, all right. Um, in the beginning in Genesis, you find that it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit working together to create everything. In the first few verses of the Bible... God spoke, the word created, but it even mentions the Holy Spirit was hovering over, right? The Holy Spirit was involved literally. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but the Godhead is a team. It's three that function as one. They are three in one, all right? They all, it is like this little community that out of this community was birthed everything that we see. That's pretty cool. It really is. And, and then you go on, and there's lots of places. I'm only going to give you uh, a couple. But, but one of the best examples of this, and really because it fit where I was in so many ways, and I didn't even see it, was actually in the story of Moses and Jethro. Um, you can write that down. In the story of Moses and Jethro, Moses was overwhelmed. All right? He was overwhelmed with all the work. He was working all day, every day. And I'm going to tell you, he was probably loving it because I was loving it. Nothing better. Just loving it, you know? Um, but if you read the scripture, he had actually sent his family away from him. Because he had no time for him. That's not healthy. And it takes a father-in-law to show him that. <laughs> right? And that's literally what happened. Matter of fact, let's read some scripture. Are y'all ready? All right, let's read some scripture. The next day Moses took his seat and served as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. And when his father-in-law saw... All that Moses was doing for the people. He said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses answered him, well, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is what? It's what? That's right. It's not good. You and these people who come to you are only wearing yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it. What? Alone. You can't handle it alone. No way. 
listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach teaching them or to teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to what? To behave. Yeah, you are, you are kind of in that place. But select capable men from all the people. Men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So there were small groups, a little bit bigger groups, a little bit bigger groups, and then there were those that oversaw a little bit of the larger. All right? Have them serve as judge for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you, the simple cases they can decide for themselves. That will make your load what? Lighter, because they will what? Share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to what? Stand the strain. And all these people are going to go home what? (laughs) Going to go home satisfied. (laughs) It's pretty obvious. Jethro, the father-in-law, had some good advice. And I love the very next verse. It, it literally says, And Moses listened and did. How many of you know that's where we normally blow it? Right? Man, that's some good advice. But I know better. <laughs> right? I can handle it. I don't need any help. Yeah. It's shared leadership. You see shared leadership in David's life. You see shared leadership in all of what Solomon wrote, the book of wisdom, all of that. You see some shared leadership with Elijah and Elisha. And then in the New Testament, the one that we follow, this is Jesus. Write this down. Jesus set up shared leadership for the church. He really did. He set up this thing of shared ministry. Um, And and it's a pretty amazing thing. It really is. Matter of fact, you see the examples of it in Mark. Uh, Look at this, Mark 6. It says, calling the twelves to him, Jesus, he began to send them out how? Two by two and gave them, everybody say them, gave them authority over unclean spirits or impure spirits. And and then you go ahead, you can read the rest of it later. For time's sake, I'm going to skip down to verse 12. It says, and they went out and they preached that the people should repent. Who went out? The ones he sent. Two by two, right? They went out, um, and and then look at this. (laughs) And they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and what? So it worked. 
<laughs> Jesus wasn't doing all the work, right? He sent them out. He literally said, go. And then in, in Luke, Luke, it says this. After this, the Lord appointed how many? We don't talk about the 72 very often. Oh, no, it was just the 12. No, it wasn't. It says he appointed 72 others, and, and he sent them out, how? Two by two. two by two, ahead of him to every town and place that he was about to go. So they went, they did ministry ahead of Jesus. And he told them, the harvest is what? Plentiful. But the workers are? Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And in the very beginning of the next verse, he said, so go. 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 Just go do it. All right? So there were 12, then there were 72. And then Paul really capitalizes on this idea of shared leadership, uh, of, of how this is supposed to work, what it's, it's talked about in Acts, and then Paul writes about it in almost every letter to the churches in the New Testament. He says, and I'm only going to read a couple of verses, but he describes this idea of shared ministry or shared leadership, how the body of Christ, the local body of Christ, is supposed to function. Now, I'm going to read some scriptures, and you're going to go, yeah, I know these scriptures. But I want you to apply them to right here and go, okay, what does that look like? What does that really, really look like? Because I think if you open your eyes, you're going to see well, all that I've said earlier, you're going to go, oh, I never saw it quite like that. Some of you will be like, yeah, you're right. Preach it. All right. All right. But some will be like, okay. All right. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians. Are y'all still with me? All right. Are you still breathing? All right. All right. It's good. All right. Paul and his companions, you can write that down. They, they, uh, Paul talks a lot about this. All right. Now we're going to look at. 1 Corinthians, and it says this, just as a what? A what? A body, though it's all one, has many parts, but all its many parts form what? <laughs> Duh, right? So it is with who? So it is with Christ, all right? For we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free. And we were all given, everybody say all given, the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of, look at somebody and say many. Many, many, many. All right? Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to that body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. 
And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of what? Smell be. All right? (laughs) But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them. Everybody say, every one of them. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be, all right? Because it looked funny to having an ear growing out of your leg. So he put them where they were supposed to be. The same with the body of Christ. Now, I'm reading a lot of scriptures because I want you to see this is all in the same place. So many times we grab pieces of these scriptures that I'm reading and we pull them out and make it a standalone, but Look at this, verse 19. If they were all one part, where would the body be? If we were all just a big ear, we were all just a big mouth, (laughs) mercy, that'd be rough. All right, all right. As it is, there are how many? Many parts, right? But one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak or or indispensable and the parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. All right. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. That's a whole nother topic. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. In other words, the parts that aren't so pretty. Right? Right? So that there should be no what? division in the body that but that it should that its parts should have <laughs> equal so the mouth's not better than the eye and the mouth even though it's loud sometimes it's not any better than the little toe that's crooked and kind of ugly all right it's still every part is very very important all right um, if one part suffers what Every part, oh, come on, y'all, y'all, y'all are getting glazy-eyed. Come on, we're reading, all right? It suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ You are the body of Christ. Every one of us is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, and gifts of help, then of of, uh, guidance, gifts of guidance, or guiding leaders is one translation, and of 
different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? (laughs) And the answer is like, no. Not one person is everything. I, I would put out the case to this. Even Jesus, the best leader that's ever been on the planet, he multiplied his ministry into other people. He was the best. I kind of see it like this. He was the best leader on the planet, and he chose 12. Then he grabbed 72. And if you think about it, not all the 12, one of them didn't make it. Right? I, I mean, just think about that. Just think about that. I, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Matter of fact, I, I want you to, uh, we're going to read another scripture. Are you all still with me? Is it hot? Are you muggy? I can turn the air on, all right? No? Then y'all better be amen in me or do something. Amen or say that ain't right or do something, all right? All right, we're going to read in Ephesians. Paul talked about this to the church at Ephesus. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So Christ himself gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and what? And teachers. I want you to notice here, pastor is just one little part. And in our church, so many of our church cultures, we've made pastor the part. I want you to see this. That it says he gave apostles. That, that literally is a big fancy word to mean those that are gifted in starting and building foundations. That's an apostle. Somebody that's just good at building, I recognize that is part of my gifting. When it comes to the biblical definition of a pastor, I am not a very good pastor. I'm a teacher, and I am apostolic in that I like starting and building things. All right? Are y'all hearing me? I like getting things off the ground. I like getting them going. I love that. I thrive in that kind of environment. But I'm not a very good pastor because a pastor is a shepherd. I have learned, I'm going to tell you this, I've learned to love church people. (laughs) It's not my gifting. It's not. I love lost people more than I love church people because we'll get to love on each other later. Are y'all hearing me? Okay? Yeah. So, so I'm not very good. No. Anyway. Some of you have experienced he's really not very good at that. <laughs> you know? My world's falling apart. I'm like, well, okay. See you in heaven. Uh, anyway. All right. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. 
But you know what? That used to drive me crazy. Like, Vic, you have to do better. But you know what I've learned? I don't have to do better. You're like, what? No. What I have to do is have pastors around me that do care about what you're going through. So I can go love on lost people. Are y'all hearing me? It's not because I don't want to. It's because he said, Vic, you don't need to do that. You just need to find people that do. That's the body. It's all of it. It's apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors all working together. It's shared leadership. That's the model. That's what he wants us to live in. Is this model of where every one of us are operating in our gifts and there is no hierarchy. That's truly it. I, I, I mean, honestly, the only hierarchy I see is the, the scribes and Pharisees in the scripture. It was all hierarchy. It's consolidated power, consolidated leadership. Don't you wish you could be part of our little club? You know, that's not the church Jesus built. That's not the church that Paul was trying to be a part of, of building. Matter of fact, let's go on. I've got a couple more verses. It says that, now, now I want you to see this. There's these five that are mentioned. Why is this important? Here's why this is important. Are y'all still with me? All right, here's why this is important. The very next verse, to equip his people for the work of what? Service. So that the body of Christ may be what? Yeah, takes more than a pastor to do that. Takes all of them, everybody functioning together for that to happen. Why is that important? I've never connected this. This is so good. Until we all reach unity in the faith, takes all of them, everybody, not just one. If you have only a pastor or if you have only a teacher, you're not going to love lost people. If you have only an evangelist, you're never going to get the solid word. Are y'all hearing me? It takes all of them operating in their giftedness so that, so that literally we can grow in unity and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become, everybody say, mature. So often I believe, because I know it, it was true in my life, when all I have, I sat under some of the best evangelists I've ever met or seen. But if all you get and all you learn from is the evangelist, if that's their gifting, if that's their calling, you're never going to grow up in the Word. Come on. You're missing something. You're missing something. So, so you're not going to be mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ takes all of those speaking into your life, being a part of your life, being a, and us ministering to each other in the body for us to really see the fullness of who 
Christ is. Then we will no longer be infants. We're going to grow up, y'all. Right? Tossed back and forth by every wave and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. When there is a single leader and not shared ministry, the statistics show very clearly we can get off in the weeds and nobody even realize it. There's no balance. There's really not. All right? Let's go on. All right? Instead, speaking the truth in love, and we will grow to become, in every respect, a mature body in him who is the head. That is who? That's right. From him, the whole body is joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, growing and building itself up in love as each part does its what? That's right. Write this down. To it's all about equipping his body for the work of service so that the body of Christ might be built up, be balanced. All right? So here's where all of that plays out. Um, here's, here's where it, it works. All right? Um, after, after so much, and, and I just gave you scratch the surface. I'm taking this off because I am burning up. Uh, that we just scratch the surface of all the scriptures that talk about this idea. But after looking at all of this overwhelming evidence of shared leadership, about six years ago, here at the crossing, we started experimenting with what does it look like to share leadership? What does that really look like? How do we put what we just read into practice here and, and really what it what it was that conversation with the six of us really became what would it look like if the six of us became the lead pastor whereas the scripture says that I could decrease so that he could increase all right what if each of us, because we discovered in the six of us, there's so many of those roles that are fulfilled that it says all this needs to be in place. And, and so we began to walk this thing out. We didn't talk to anybody. Didn't, we just were like, let's just see what this looks like. You know? I, I mean, we had seen it and talked to churches that had made that transition and shared leadership and what that looked like. And so we had, we had learned some things from some others, but we were like, what would it look like? I mean, they were already associate pastors. They were all functioning in different ways like that. But this was different because we were literally, the six of us was going to take all of the responsibility, all the roles that Susan and I had been handling, and, and we're going we're gonna to work those all together. We're going to share the leadership of, of the church. And we walked that out for a couple of years. I'm just going to tell you, it took some adjustment for me. It really did. It took some adjustment. And there were times that we stepped on each other's toes. 
you know, and we had to work through it and go, well, what about this? How does that work? How does, what, what do we do? It took us talking a lot, spending a lot of time together. But I'm going to tell you <laughs> that now we are six years into this. And it's working. And it's incredible. And it is so healthy. And it is so good. It's so good that we've started expanding that into other areas. And that's why you'll see so often that we intentionally are, are pushing people to the front. And we as leaders are stepping back. You'll see it in worship. You'll see it in leading groups. You'll see, you know what? I don't lead our staff meetings because that's not my giftedness. Our staff meetings would consist of, okay, how can we reach the lost? You know? And help Christians not be stupid. That'd be it. You know? I mean, sorry. <laughs> that's what it'd be. And that's not always productive, you know? Just not. Um, but, but you'll see that we, and, and honestly, the last four years, We've intentionally been pushing this idea of shared leadership to the degree you've seen it. Maybe didn't understand why or what was going on. But, but that's why I am speaking less and less. I'm not going anywhere. But I'm speaking less and less. And here's what it is. Some of you people that are older, you'll understand. I'm not old yet. I'm just older. All right? But I was hit with the reality of what if, I'm almost 60, right? I'm about a year or so away from 60. So what if, what if, I, what if I can keep doing this physically, emotionally, spiritually? What if I can do this for another 10 years till I'm 70? I pray I get to do it longer than that, but who knows? You know, what, would, what is important? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? And it became very real to me that I have, an, I have a spot, I have a place that I can either leave this planet and everybody go, you know what, he was a good preacher. He, 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 was, he was pretty good at that. Or I can leave this planet Leave, step out of ministry at 70, 80, whatever, and, and, and everyone go, you know what? He was willing to swallow his pride to make ministers that's going to carry on. And I've just decided <laughs> that the biblical model is all about making ministers. It's not so much whether you enjoy everybody that preaches. Somebody go, oh me. It's not. It's that you celebrate the fact that they're becoming a minister. They're stepping into it. They're doing it. Yeah, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But, I mean, are y'all hearing me? 
And, and so it's intentional that I continue to take a back door and allow shared leadership to happen. I mean, I mean, it's it it works, and especially I was I was thinking about the Waldron thing, and I've got to wrap this up quickly. I was thinking about the Waldron thing, and uh, and from the first, I I had a hard time not getting excited. Like we went through this whole process of prayer and discernment, what the Lord wants to do, all of that. But I had a hard time not getting excited because I knew the path God has had us on. For these years of sharing and sharing and sharing ministry, responsibility, finding people's gifts, helping them plug into those giftedness, all of that. And so I'm like, Lord, you're just setting us up. You're just setting us up. This could be a really, really, really cool thing. So I'm going to talk about that tonight, 5 o'clock, come back. All right? All right. But the scripture is very clear. Write this down. We're going to wrap it up very quickly. There are benefits, actually, did I already do the one? Yeah, I guess I missed one. Is that right? Okay, all right, all right. There's benefits of shared leadership. I'm going to run through those very quickly. You see it in the scripture. We have experienced that over the last six years here in an amazing way. What is that? Uh, it helps with the load. Nobody's carrying too much, right? I'm going to tell you, it is an amazing season that we are in. All right? The other is, it strengthens where we are weak. Where I am weak, I don't think about, okay, how can I be stronger there? No. I look around and say, who's really strong there that I need on the team? Are y'all hearing me? We're sharing it. All right? It helps with keeping our pride in check. Come on. Right? I am not the voice of God. Come on. Right? <laughs> I just get to share what he told me. All right? I'm just a little bitty part of it. All right? And then it, it, the ministry effectiveness is multiplied. It is multiplied. It goes further and further and further and further. All right? And uh, here's what I want to say, and I believe this is so true. Matter of fact, Susan says we need to make a t-shirt of this. Everyone a minister, everyone a servant. I want you to look at somebody and say, you are a minister and you are a servant. Right now, go, go, go. You are a minister and you are a servant. Everybody is. Everybody in this room is a minister if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, the only time you have the right to sit on the bench is if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus. If you've not given your life to Jesus and you're just checking us out, you just keep checking us out. We're weird, but we're okay. All right? But the moment you become a believer, a follower of Jesus, you are part of the ministry of the church of Jesus Christ. There are no spectators in the body of Christ. Not one. 
Nobody gets a pass because they're old. Nobody gets a pass because they're young. Nobody gets a pass because I don't know. I'm not educated. I didn't go to seminary. Show me in the Bible where you can, where you can use that as an excuse. Nobody. Every one of us are ministers. Every one of us. And I am learning that in seasons of our lives, it changes. I've been the mouth. I've been the big mouth for a long time. And I just see him changing me to be hands lifting up others. Just lifting up others. (laughs) What an amazing opportunity. It really is. It really is. Write this down. Only The church only functions as a body when every part is doing their part. So here's the bottom line for today. What's your part? What's your part? I told you what my part is right now. What's your part? Where are you ministering in the body? If this is part of the body that you connect with, where? Right here. Right now. Matter of fact, God gave me this this idea that what if, think about this. What if the way you are functioning in the body is the way everybody in the body is functioning right now in the body? When you walk in here, would there be chairs? Would there be carpets? Would there be coffee? If everybody's functioning like you are, if you're a foot, how's the body walking right now? Is it running? Is it limping? Is it hopping on one leg? What does it look like? (laughs) Maybe you're serving somewhere right now. My challenge to you today is refresh that commitment to where you're serving. That I get to be a part of this shared ministry, of shared leadership. Maybe you just go, thank you, God, for the opportunity to serve in your kingdom. Thank you that for this season, I get to be hands lifting people up. And if you're not serving... That QR code's on your handout. It's it's there. I want you to shoot it right now. All right? Or maybe you're serving and you're like, ah, I want to see what else is out there too. Because I'm going to tell you, there are so many places where there's gaps. We're dreaming about what God's doing in the future, but there's gaps. 
There's places to serve in children's. There's places to serve with youth. There's places to minister, not serve, but minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to kids. There's opportunity on Saturday. We need more people that are willing to come put the carpets down and set up chairs. That QR code will take you there. That QR code will show you, here are some opportunities to be a part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. Right here. Because every one of us, every one of us is a minister, and every one of us is a what? A servant. Take a moment. I know I'm past time. I rattled way too much, sorry. But take a moment right now. I want to encourage you, take out your phone, do it on your note sheet, whatever, but go there. What's the Lord saying? If If the body was functioning and you're the hand or you're the encourager, you're the whatever, how is it functioning? Where can I be a part? of this shared leadership in the body of Christ. Father, I thank you for the journey that you've had us on. I thank you that your desire is that when we're all of us, everybody in this room just doing our little part, the body is healthy and the world can't stand against your church you said that and so I look forward as so many of us step into our spot what that looks like and the joy there is there I give you praise In Jesus' name. Amen? 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 Do you still love me? All right. Do you love Jesus more? Yeah. Come on. Stand up.